Ciao. Ciao. Right after Mrs. Moriarty died, you went upstairs, but you say you saw and heard nothing. That's right, sir. She was lying there dead. Yes, that's right, sir. The prisoner was led from death row to the closely guarded cubicle where he scheduled to wait out the last few hours before entering the gas chamber. The death vigil. His attorney, Rod Mitchell, would not reveal what new elements he had in hand to convince the governor to order a stay of execution. San Quentin. Never before has permission been granted to film the interior of the prison. We were allowed to enter death row and inspect the gas chamber minutes before a scheduled execution. The executioner, the guards, all the personnel of this institution, many of them who were present when Carol Chessman was executed, reenacted the same scenes, relived the same dramatic moments to bring you this film. A shocking, revealing account of what our society is beginning to take for granted, to accept as a way of life. You'll be holding your breath from San Francisco to New York to Paris. A mystery thriller true to our times. You'll be living the truth that once was fiction. Ciao, ciao, everybody. Hello, and welcome to Shallow Chow Chow, episode number... 27. 27. Wow. Yeah. Rolling right along. Today, we're doing Perversion Story, a.k.a. One on Top of the Other, a.k.a. Butt Trumpets in Paradise. <laughs> You're already getting into the alternate names, huh? <clears throat> no, I'm done. That's all oh. I got. Hey, do you realize we've been doing You're this for our... over a year? Is this our birthday? No, I think our birthday was like a couple weeks ago. We just didn't really bring it bring it up or anything. Okay, well, we're one year old. There you go. Thank you all for listening. You guys are all super out there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Keeping it alive. Keeping the yep. dream alive. 
keeping it real. So how are you guys doing? Awesome. <laughs> Don't everyone get too excited and jump in at once. I, want, I, always, I always wonder when I listen back to the podcast if if we all did like a, a video of ourselves, if, if it would be easier to, to not step on each other because we would see the person who's about to talk like make a facial <clears throat> gesture that they're about to talk. I think that- you guys want to... You guys want to pretend tonight and do that? I don't know. I mean, I don't have a, a oh, camera, so was, I've got to get uh, that. I was gonna say, I think creep. I have to have that. Make sure up. that we don't do video on purpose. Yeah, I'm wearing a pink robe. It's furry. <laughs> bunny slippers. Yeah, I got my bunny ears on. I'm going to a dance at the Playboy Mansion after this. Wow. What, what are you hanging out with us for then? Because I'm just like too cool to like hang out there, and I'm not invited, and other things up. like that. And I'm not even going. It was more of a joke than anything else that didn't oh, work. Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. So, creep, what's up with that LA rain and weather and stuff? Is it crazy or what? <clears throat> yeah, it's actually supposed to start up again at seven o'clock my time. So, um, it was. I mean, it wasn't as bad as I heard from everyone not here, as bad as they were seeing on the news, but it was pretty bad. Was it just a lot of rain? Oh my God. It it was like we were in like a tropical jungle. It was just like (laughs) pouring, pouring rain. Inferno? Yeah, totally. Except this one we got to see. Oh, okay. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Did you see animals uh, going down the street two by two? No, but of course, giant rat. Oh, was running across the street when I was trying to get into the Carl's Jr. drive-through. That should have been an indicator to not go to Carl's Jr. But <laughs> <laughs> it took me a while before I realized what the fuck was happening, and I was already in the line. I was stuck. You had to eat that rat burger. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, good stuff. Sorry, Carl's Jr. Yeah. We were hoping for a sponsorship, but not going to happen. Fuck you, I'm eating. <laughs> All right, so... Um, well, I have uh, yeah. just some some fun stuff to report. I, uh, For those of you already on the Facebook group, I uh, had the privilege and, and fun opportunity to upgrade and update my video library to Plex, oh, which yeah. is fantastically awesome. Um I finally uh, cut the cord with Apple, and I'm very happy about it. So um, I think what was happening was um, I moved all of my media to a network-attached storage device, and every time I got some sort of a disconnection in my internet connection, um, iTunes forgot everything that was in it. And so every time I went to go watch a movie, it would say, can't find the movie. And then I had to go back down to my computer and remote it to the other computer and then reassign everything. And it was huge pain in the ass. It was terrible. So I still have to use iTunes in order to update my phone. But um, Plex is really cool. So I have a Roku. Um, and I just bought another Roku stick for my other TV. Uh, hopefully that one uh, will work well. And uh, it's really cool because um, I was converting all of my films uh, over to MP4 format using Handbrake and that was taking like you know 
as long as twice as long as it takes to watch the the thing they want to convert is how long it takes to convert it so uh now uh plex will play uh mp4s but it'll also play mkv files it'll also play avis it'll play mpegs um and their interface is fantastic it goes out and it finds the posters and the descriptions and all of the meta information about the movie um and of course you can make changes to it if you you know for something like uh Sister of Ursula which it actually did find uh on IMDb or wherever it goes to find the stuff but uh every once in a while it'll it won't make a correct match and you can go in and change it so i'm a fan of plex it's free uh you just need a, a you know a, a computer that's has a decent amount of processing power and uh it takes like 2 seconds to set up it's awesome so and i just um i just got a 46 inch uh sony bravia uh, uh about a 5 year old lcd it's unbelievably great like the picture quality is amazing i found it on craigslist for like a couple hundred bucks um so i'm in like home theater heaven right now and i got all these jalo and the irony is that uh most of the nights that i finally get a chance to sit down and turn the new tv on um i'm too tired and i fall asleep within 5 minutes so <laughs> the curse of having children but i'm hoping that all that changes next week i'm taking the whole week off for the holidays so so you name drop uh, plex roku sony are we getting some sponsorships before christmas is that what we're apple hoping? i mentioned apple as well i think apple um do you know anything about the amazon fire tv stick is that kind of like the roku yeah they're all kind of the same so like all of these all of these competitors same thing you got the chromecast and the chromecast really doesn't do anything other than uses your other devices to transmit signals to your tv um in other words there's no real interface for the chromecast you just plug it in and then you pull up your iphone or your android and then you kind of fling it from your phone up to your television um or your laptop or whatever um but then you've got the roku you got the amazon you got the apple tv and i think um there may be at least one other one i think western digital might have one um yeah everybody's trying to get into that market because everybody's uh everybody's cutting the cable cords now and they're going with uh, i hope so you know on demand everything so yeah. but i i was a big fan of apple tv for a while but having to be kind of a slave to having itunes run um got to be a pain in the ass after a while so mm-hmm. i'm i'm switching over to roku Yeah, I was playing around with the Plex on my Roku and yeah, the way it sets everything up and it's just pretty to look at even too. So, I really enjoyed that yeah. part of it. The only thing was I couldn't find sub like the subtitles I have for Death Walks on High Heels work when I played on my computer cuz I just have, you know, the same file name and everything in the same folder, but it wasn't finding it through Plex. And I was kind of pulling my hair out looking for different ways to cuz it has kind of a support forum on how to get subtitles to work and things like that, but I just I couldn't figure it out so I'm still monkeying around with that a little bit but um for the most part all my other files seem to be working. No and I'm pretty sure that it it may have some I haven't done subtitles on the uh, Plex yet but it's typically there's like a separate file an SRT file that goes along with the video. Yeah, and um, I have that and it's just it's not picking it up. The thing that pissed me off about um Apple TV is If you wanted subtitles, you had to encode them into the file. You Ooh. couldn't have a separate. 
couldn't have a separate SRT file for whatever you know subtitle language you wanted accompanying it. it. It all had to be embedded within. So it, it's just another thing that kind of sucks <laughs> about Apple. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I'm you know I'm I'm really excited about <sighs> nice. my library now. So. It looks cool. The picture you posted. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah gotta... the interface is awesome. It is. Well, right on. Any updates on you? Me? Hmm. Yeah. No, not really. Awesome. <laughs> I, I lead kind of a, right. a boring, dink life. Just me and my wife and our animals. So, um, just trying to cram in, you know, as much <clears throat> movie watching. Kind of in the same boat as Chris, even though I don't have kids. Um, I got a really soft couch. So it's not conducive to late night movie watching. <laughs> um, despite my best laid plans, you know, Fridays, Saturday nights. So just getting in this film over the past weekend that we're about to talk to tonight was was the uh, epitome of my recent weekend. Um, but other than that, yeah, I haven't been up to, to a whole heck of a lot. I'll probably think of something after the show's over, but that's weird. Really... <laughs> yeah, he always messages me after and says... Damn, I went to the strip club and it was so fun and I forgot to talk about it on the show. And I'm like, damn, just have to remember it next time. I won one hundred dollars in a scratch off. Did you? No. Like fifteen years ago. Nice. I think it was like my first lottery ticket ever. So Eric, I don't know if you want me to bring this up, but can we talk about whoever it was that you got a, fi- a signed photo of at whatever convention it was you were at? Yeah, please explain that. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, it wasn't really a convention. I don't really get autographs from actors or directors. No offense, creep, at conventions. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know that's their bread and butter, but for some reason when I go to professional wrestling events... I just I feel so sorry for those guys. Um, I don't I don't go to any of like the really big <laughs> you shouldn't ones. Shouldn't sell it like that. I you should be yeah, like I'm really excited about these guys. I'm I'm really excited that they're doing what they love because I I like to get, there's this one that's like two blocks from my house like every month or so every other month. Just this local independent company, um, and they they run shows out of the American Legion. And I go there, and the guys are selling their eight by tens for five bucks, and they're wearing tights that look like they're from like 1984. And I just, I just want to, you know, help them get some gas money, get some supper, you know, so they can eat at least, maybe. But so they can but, buy their Vicodin for afterwards. That's true. Yep. Yep. Get get them some pain pills <laughs> as well. Whatever you know, whatever to help them out. So yeah, for some reason that. They always have that sad puppy dog look on their face, so I'll th- throw them five bucks. Whereas when I go to conventions, I just give a smile and a nod to Tom Atkins or whatever, and then keep going. Don't say that man's name. <laughs> <laughs> He's on borrowed time, damn it. Borrowed time. Yeah, I don't know where his recent 15 minutes came from, but he's pretty <clears throat> So hot. who is the guy who is in the picture? guy in the picture is the tangerine dream ricky love so if you're <laughs> in the midwest and uh, steel domain wrestling's coming to your town check it out ricky love he's he's a talented young man perhaps one day he'll see the big time <laughs> nice that sounds awesome yeah he's a redhead 
See, when I when I hear Tangerine Dream, I do not think of a mean wrestler. Well, he doesn't look <laughs> mean in this photo. He's not pretty. He's not very mean. He's one of those happy-go-lucky uh, baby, baby faces, face as they call them. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah, the kids he throws chairs with cushions on them. Right. He throws chairs with cushions. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <clears throat> well, um, over here, besides it being rainy. Um, and my car breaking down over the weekend, which was awful. Um, my turn right, my car stops. <laughs> Pretty awesome, right? <laughs> You're in a bad neighborhood? Uh, uh, not really. Oh, okay, good. It, it looks like it would be bad, but it's just full of, like, actors and writers oh. and stuff like that so it's just it's weird but anywho um i'm uh i put zombie epsilon out for those of you who follow all of the great work i do yay and i started writing the third season of black star canyon so things are going good we're gearing up for christmas big holiday stuff and all that other crap and i'm done yeah that's it are you, you're you're pretty amped for this Black Star Canyon season three, aren't you? You just can't hold. Do back. I sound it? You you do you do. Okay, good. I like Black Star Canyon. It's fun. It's a fun thing to do. Yeah, I really I really enjoyed the series thus far, and uh, oh, I'm wow. one of, one of your crazy fans. You know, waiting outside the uh, the bookstore at midnight for when it's released. Oh. Well, that bookstore really? is virtual, my friend. So you're waiting on your soft couch. <laughs> there you go. I appreciate <laughs> it. And probably fall asleep to miss release date. Damn it. <laughs> so it's on Christmas. Oh, wow. She's got <laughs> eyes painted on her hoo-ha. Hmm. I'm watching the movie in the background. I, I like the uh, bra that looks like a pair of hands. Yeah, I like the see-through underwear. <laughs> we'll talk all about that in a bit here. Sorry, guys. I turned into a, a wolf. But, uh, <clears throat> but uh, no, we had um, a couple emails to go over since we're getting into uh, episode here. So I have one from Al Owens that I should have read last time, but I told you I would do it this time. So he says, ciao, ciao, guys. Number one, police chief versus detective. I'm not 100% on this, but it's possible that the detective was with the National Police Force, known as the Carabinieri? There's a couple ends in there, I messed that up. Um, these guys are badasses who walk around with Uzis, and they could assume jurisdiction over any, over, over any local or regional police department. Or maybe the police chief just thought, this guy smells like Edwidge, I'd better listen to him. Uh, number two... Phone tokens. <clears throat> Back in the day, Gatani could be purchased at coffee shops, tobacconists, and newsstands anywhere or everywhere. It was impossible to make a call on a payphone without one because the slot wouldn't accept anything that didn't have the grooves in it. I've been told that they were originally meant to deter people from breaking into payphones, as all they were supposed to be good for was making calls. But soon enough, people started using them for currency anyway, and the crowbars came out. Um, and then three, memorials on the roadside. Yep, these mark places where someone has lost their life. 
very often they have a picture of the deceased, candles, and a little vase to put flowers in. They can vary in size from no bigger than a headstone to something more akin to a small shed. There's a good sized one in the middle of the cornfields near where I live. If I get a break in the rain, I'll take a pic of it for the Facebook group. Till next time, ow. Yay! Yes. Oh my god, my chair's on. I'm really sorry, awesome. guys. It's playing a song in the background. Hopefully no one can hear it. It's kind of... I can hear it faintly. It's it's kind of soothing. Sounds like a bird. Yeah. Is it? No, it's, it's, it's fine. You're fine. You sure? It's nothing like okay. the rain that was pouring last time. Or the uh, the wheezing laughs. Okay. Do you have Do you have that email? Can you hold that up, sir. I can go retrieve it. Because I just searched for it and I couldn't find it. You deleted it in a fit of rage. No, I didn't. At all. Oh. I thought it was funny. I kept reading it over and over again. Yeah, we did get kind of a comical email from uh, a person. I won't say a man or a woman because I'm not quite sure, but. Uh, they only go by the name Pinhead, and that's P-I-N-H-E-D. So a little creative with the spelling there. And uh, let's see the uh, subject: Yellow Podcast. Hey, your podcast's pretty entertaining. But whoever keeps calking, wheeze laughing. Holy shit, is that annoying? Please do either Demonia or the New York Ripper. They're hilarious. Cheers. <laughs> Well, thank you. <laughs> well, the funny thing was, after that email, none of us knew exactly who it was. I assumed it was me. Eric thought it was him, and Chris thought, I guess it was him. And so it took us a while to figure it out. We're still not 100%, but I'm pretty sure it's me. Because I laugh like Muttley from fucking... Uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle, I go <laughs> or whatever the fuck I do. Wow, um, shows how uh, self-conscious all three of us are. Just I know. Of... I think everyone feel bad. The reason why I do that is because when I was younger, my stepdad wouldn't let me and my sister make any noise when he was watching TV. So we had to learn to laugh without making any noise. And as I've grown up, I've tried to make some noise when I laugh. So then it gets a little weird. So now, if everyone wants to feel sorry for me, I will allow it. I think uh, I think Pinhead feels especially depressed now. <clears throat> well, I'm sorry, that wasn't the point. We want you to have fun watching these fun movies. <laughs> I don't think I got any other emails, so if, if we did, I guess they're all directed to you. I think that's it. That's it. I think that's it. So if you want to send us a message on the uh, Jello Chow Chow website, there's like a little thing that has their addresses if you want to contact us. Um, and just go there and contact us because we like to hear from you. That's right. And if we are doing something that's annoying, let us know. And I will tell Eric to knock it off. <laughs> Fucking driving me nuts. <laughs> um, we still don't know who it is. Yeah, it, we, it's may probably, never. we may never. We may never know. Hate to say it, it's hard to say, but it's probably. 
Right. Vaughn, so, Sting, anybody? Hmm? It might be. All right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, is there anything else we want to tackle before we um, get one on top of another here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, let's get into it. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, we're going to get into it. And this was Eric's pick, and he's gonna get on top of us right now. Do we have a a, a trailer, trailer to play or an American Italian? It doesn't uh, matter. I can't remember. Did the trailer have dialogue in it, or was it just music? Because the music's gonna be playing underneath. And for once in a while, we actually have the music you're hearing is different because this movie actually had a score by a well-known Jello. Uh, composer. Scores. Take it. And who, who is this forest, Eric? That would be Riz Ortolani. <clears throat> and what exactly was it that you said earlier? Oh, well, I just said that. Um, <laughs> I was trying to think of something snarky to say because I seem to always have something a little snarky to say about each movie and. Um, we were talking about the music of this film, and I said I'd rather listen to a different perversion story score instead, because this one got a little too jazzy for me. And that was the cleaned-up version of that statement. I don't remember really what I said. It was a little more mean and crass. But well, I won't throw you under the bus anymore. Riz and I Good go way back, so he, he's okay with it. Yeah. All right, so All right, so that was the trailer. What'd you guys think? <laughs> it was super. Yeah. I don't even know if it actually played, but yeah. We could just act it out. Yeah. Like, okay, here, I'm going to take off my clothes. Okay. Hey, we should, I don't but, know. We, we probably mentioned this before, but I think Riz uh, just died this year. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He uh, had a lot of... Uh, I guess he's, you know, kind of... Um, uh, on the same level as, uh, say, Bruno Nicolai and uh, Ennio Morricone. I don't know. It looks like he had a lot of soundtracks. Yeah. Yeah, I think if we could find one more, they would be a good four horsemen of Jello uh, composing. Goblin. Huh. There we go, Goblin. There you go. All right. Well, um, <clears throat> not to... Not totally derail the conversation but um that is one of the things i'm working on for giallo score for future uh feature which is to uh, total and um analyze films by various uh subjects and so on and so forth so there'll be graph to see who's who's the most giallo score so uh, or if it were, or well, when it will be in the future, we could answer that question. Um, but yeah. okay, so if you're listening to this in the future, we're sorry. It might already be ready. <laughs> Chris is gonna whip it up <laughs> all tonight. Or you mean like? And I might work on, and I might work on the website as well. There you go. Well, this this film, one on top Make of the sure other, is. It's right. It's it's been on your website for a while, so we'll get to that in a little bit. Yes. What, what the yellow score of this film is, but uh, yeah, 
this film, otherwise known as Perversion Story in America, um, one on top of the other is the American translation or the English translation of Una Su Ultra, the Italian name. And it's uh, directed by Lucio Fulci. His uh, technical, I guess, first giallo film after doing a bunch of sex comedies. I guess they're not all sex comedies, but a lot of comedies that featured sex. And I guess some people say it's because he recently lost it, or not recently now, but he had just lost his wife. And so he got a little darker, though I think that's just people kind of grasping at straws. I also read that on Wikipedia, so take that for what you will. So we open, uh, we're in San Francisco, and uh, the basic plot of this film runs down like this. Yeah, it all takes place basically on the West Coast, and it's kind of this lifetime original movie plot of a guy cheating on his asthmatic wife, who's a little cold and distant. He's a little too obsessed with his clinic, and he's also kind of obsessed with publicity and sensationalism. Uh, he gets the paper to release a headline that he's going to be doing heart transplants, which his brother reminds him that's not really what our clinic does. So, uh, yeah, that's this, that's the kind of guy this, this George is. And uh, he's, like I said, cheating on his wife. He's having an affair. And uh, things go south pretty quickly uh, with his wife, who is in poor health. She basically dies uh, from what is eventually revealed to be an overdose or basically a poisoning uh, with her own medicine. Uh, but what the movie really picks up is when uh, George and this girl he's um, going around the town with, Jane, they run into, or he gets this tip that there's someone at this club that looks a little bit like his wife. He goes and checks her out, and sure enough, it's basically his wife with blonde hair. Um, a little more done up, a little more made up. And so the, the mystery unfolds as he follows this woman around, Monica Weston, trying to figure out if she knows something about his wife, because it's just too too eerily similar for her to just look like his wife. He feels like there's something else going on beneath the surface, and he's going to try to scratch that surface to find out. And uh, as he does, his own life starts to unravel, because the, uh, the detectives and the police and the insurance adjusters, all these people are hot on his tail, trying to figure out if he actually killed his wife to get this $2 million insurance payout, um, or if, you know, it was an accident, as he is trying to convince them of. And uh, there's our, our plot in an, a little eggshell. Not shell. Some kind of shell. Nice. Well done, sir. <sighs> Thank you. I did it mostly from memory. Good. So, what did you think about it? So, what I think about it is, I really like. I mean, I like Lucio Fulci, and this one being one of his first forays into the the crime thriller uh, genre, it's not as gory as a lot of people will uh, be used to. There are some scenes within the, uh, I guess I don't know if it's really the autopsy room or or what what have you, but later on the, the body of the wife has decomposed quite a bit, and so you get, he, he's not afraid, or he's not shy of backing away from this decomposing body, but that's about as gory as he gets in this film. But for for this being, I, I kind of knocked it slightly by saying it was a Lifetime original movie, but yeah, I, I still 
still managed to really really enjoy following along in the plot the <laughs> the, uh, the people you know they they throw a lot of people at you right away in the beginning but um, he reels it back somewhat early on in the film so you're able to catch up and figure out who all these different people are these different characters and then uh, I'm kind of a fan of like these adult crime dramas like maybe a basic instinct or a gone girl i feel like this is kind of the precursor to those kind of films which i don't know what that says about me and uh my marriage but it means your wife should be on the fucking lookout (laughs) i guess so luckily she does not have asthma okay but yeah I, i really like the san francisco setting um i'm not you know a xenophobe or i I don't think that everything needs to take place in America, but it was kind of cool to see, you know, an Italian, his take on, on the San Francisco setting and culture. They, they use a lot of the different landmarks, like San Quentin, um, or the, I don't know if they're on the Golden Gate Bridge, but they're on a couple different bridges, and you get to see the sloping hills and the, the fog, as you mentioned. You get to see a trolley. And it's just, I think it's just a, it's a fun, quick movie. Um, it's getting into my, my thoughts too soon, maybe a little bit, but uh, I know you, we should probably break it down a little bit more. Um, I don't know, what, what'd you guys think of like the beginning and the, and getting introduced to San Francisco with the, uh, the heavy brass soundtrack opening us up and getting to know George, this sensationalist clinic owner and, and his brother, was it Henry or Harry? Is it Harry? Let's see. It looks like Henry. Henry? Okay. Is it Henry? Yeah, you're funny. Can <laughs> you isolate that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I will definitely isolate something to make it a joke on me. I'll do that right now. No, my problem uh, is not Harry. <laughs> no, but um, I really like this setting, too. Um, it's nice change of pace. Um, the score is a nice change of pace. The funny thing is, though, this is like before the boom. This is what '68. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like I don't think a lot of the rules have been like set in stone as of yet. So it was neat to have um, all of that stuff in it. The the sets are freaking amazing. <clears throat> I love like every office, every apartment, every strip like the club. studio. Oh my god, don't even get me started on the strip club. Like, with the swings and the balloons. Dude, I want to do that. The roaring like, 20s. Oh, it's so amazing. You have to make a weekend trip uh, out of it. Yeah, if it's still jamming like that. Yeah. And if you are a fan of uh, mammary glands, you will enjoy this film. Mm-hmm. It's there are titled more than a set. Yeah. Um, if you don't like girls with fake bugs glued to their body, then you might not <laughs> like this movie. Yeah, of course, there, it is a yellow film, so I don't know if it got a point for the uh, the zany photographer or not, but we do have a, a very artsy photographer who likes to uh, glue. Is he artsy, though? I don't know. The whole insect's on the body. He is kind of a pervert, though, too. That dude is like a... a... Uh, sort of related to somebody that's well known, the guy who played the photographer. Do I have it right? I think he's Barack Obama's nephew. <laughs> what was the uh, Wait. 
<laughs> what was his name in the in the? Uh... I don't know. Do one of our in listeners the, have yeah. IMDb up? Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I'm a listener that has IMDb let's, up. Let's check out the live stream. But I'm looking at uh, if anybody's in the chat room. <laughs> somebody else. Oh, here in the chat room, we have. Um, let me see here. Um, what is the photographer's name? Like, I don't know what I'm looking for here. I don't either. Hmm. Uh, well, this was is his name, Larry. Yes. Yeah, actually, I think it was. Well, oh, yeah. Sobieski. So so John Sobieski. There he is. Father of uh, Lee, Lee Lee. Oh. Lee Sobieski. Well, they have the same yeah. mustache, so <laughs> they look identical. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure that that's the father. Like that's that perfect. girl who was in... Isn't it the girl who was in, uh, like, Deep Impact? That's the only thing I know her from. Yeah, they are related. Father oh, yeah, father. yeah. I know you're talking... Um... <laughs> is she in the glass house? Yeah. I always remember her from in... Never Been Kissed. And uh, what was that crappy Tom Cruise movie that wasn't that bad because it was kind of a Kubrick movie, but not oh, really? Oh, Eyes Wide Shut. There you go. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, look at that. We are cultured over here, motherfuckers. No she's, doubt. She's pretty. Yeah, well, no. Um, but there are some good-looking girls in this movie. Oh, my gosh, and the couches are just amazing. Like, seriously, <laughs> like, this movie is, like, if you're into this kind of interior design and stuff, it's a freaking damp dream, my friends. <laughs> And there's also this um, awesome scene where um, they're doing it, and the camera's like under the bed, looking through the sheets at them, which is really bizarre. Yeah, and then yeah, that one um, in the beginning. Yeah, and then uh, at the end of it, he like kind of rolls over, and he looks like she's hurting him. I don't know what the hell's going on there, but um, his face does not look pleasured. Something's getting bent backwards. Hopefully that's all that's happening. <laughs> you get bamboo under his toenails there. Ouch. Um, <clears throat> oh, are we pegging again? That's awesome. Yeah, he's probably into it. It's good. It's all good. Everyone's having a good time. We'll reach around. Yeah, different strokes. So yeah. Um, and then what happened? Oh, the music. The music uh, is a little like punching face. Yeah. So you have to really um, be in the mood for it. I've I've had this. I've I've been. There's been times when I put this movie on, and the music comes on, and I'm like, "Fuck, I can't deal with this right now." Right. <laughs> Turn it off. Well, you know what it is? It's because the opening credits is the most jarring of pretty yeah. much all the, the whole movie. Yeah. And so you're just like all, all those screeching trumpets that are like, um, you know, that there's there's at least five or six different brass, you know just squealing through your speakers all at the same time and uh but it's i you know you're right it you 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 might not be able to handle it at a given moment but it's it's pretty cool the way that they put it together i do also really like the science in the movie you know like how they are figuring out like what the hell's going on and how like the you know they're kind of a couple steps ahead of them because they're yeah it's kind of 
that's about it. Yeah. What did you think about the beginning, Chris? Well, I mean, I have been to San Francisco four different times, and I really love it there, and I would, I've contemplated moving there several times, and um, when I watch this film, it just it makes me remember that I, how much I like it. They really did hit on all of the cool visual aspects of the city. You know, they, the bay and the, and the bridge, and you can see Coit Tower, and you can see all of the hills, and there's one part where they actually drive the Corvette down Lombard Street, and you can see the trolley and Fisherman's Wharf. I mean, it's pretty much like a post postcard of uh, San Francisco. But um, I found myself thinking about Vertigo a lot, like Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo yeah. while I'm watching this, because obviously the, uh, the location is the same, but you also have the doppelganger thing going on uh, with the wife with the, with the you know who had the hair and she died and then another woman with a different color hair looks exactly the same comes back and, and our you know and our, our protagonist I guess you could call him our protagonist um, he kind of goes after this this woman who looks like his wife so, so I mean it just it reminded me of, uh, of of Hitchcock. It looked like they were making it uh, lots of um, allusions to that. Uh, even though I think what Vertigo was about ten years before that. So, uh, and then also I'm I'm thinking about like Bullet and uh, Steve McQueen. Wasn't he in Bullet? I think. Yeah. Uh, and driving those cars around uh, the San Francisco hills, chase scenes. And so it just reminded me of like all that. I I don't know if you know. It's clear that Fulci, you know, was trying to cash in on uh, making a movie there because it seemed to be like a hit place to, to film movies. But I think also it, it was kind of, you know, it, it, in one sense he was copying uh, off what the American directors were doing. But in another sense, he was doing something different because this is 68. And so it's the jolly, the, the Jalo hadn't really been established yet. And he's filming in America and, uh, he's using some of, uh, some of these Jalo, uh, actors like, um, Jean, uh, whatever the guy's name is, uh, who plays the lead. I can't remember his name. Jean Sorbel or something like that. Sorel. Yeah. Jean Sorel. Um, so yeah, and it's just uh, I, I really like it. I, I mean, I'm watching it and I'm thinking Creep definitely likes it because of the music and because of all of the boobs and of course the fashion and uh, the you know I think Fulci like really outdid himself with the direction and the photography. I thought uh, the sets were really well put together and the cameras were were really well done and the. Yeah all the different types of shots and setups and stuff I thought were really well done and and it's kind of it's kind of a classy film I mean there's some weird stuff going on with you know the the strippers and uh, you know all the sex scenes and, and and everything but compared to most of the to the jolly it seems like it's a little bit more on the sophisticated side of things and uh, it's really fun to think that this is Fulci's first jalo. Um, whereas Lizard in a Woman's Skin was his second one, and his third one was Don't Torture a Duckling. And the more and more I watch Perversion Story, I, I'm still having trouble picking my favorite Giallo by Fulci. 
but this one continues to like impress me every time I watch it. So yeah, like the screens during the lab bit. Yeah, I fucking love that. It's so of the time, dude. It's yep. like, oh. oh. Have you guys ever seen not to totally derail the conversation again? But have you guys ever seen this film called Wicked Wicked? No, no. I think so. Uh, definitely check it out. It's a, um, it's a horror film that was filled with what they thought was going to be this new, this new craze. Uh, a split screen technology but basically the whole movie is split screen and there the action is taking place simultaneously but you're watching two different things happening at the exact same time and so basically what's what's that really um famous hotel uh out in uh, i guess it's in, it's in LA or it's it's near um you know the the it's it's near the beat where you are um creep it's the like hotel that has the the round um kind of tower on one side of it it's in it's in zillions of movies uh, i can't remember the name of it but i don't anyway. even know um so they film it there and it's basically a killer and uh you know killers on the loose kind of thing it's almost like the giallo but you know who the killer is the whole way through but it's it's and it's really kind of corny and there's a lot of like funny stuff going on with it but it's called wicked wicked again the whole movie is split screen they they had called duo vision yeah. uh that that they were trying to uh promote and uh highly recommend it because it's it's uh it's 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 a fun movie it's uh, definitely a party movie i saw it uh in the theater with a uh, a large crowd of trucking people and it was a blast so uh definitely check it out there's there's copy of it out there it might be on YouTube as well nice that sounds awesome actually <clears throat> that's kind of one thing I like um, about horror films it's like they're the they get a lot of flack for being you know the, the poorly the most worthless as far as their their quality and things like that and just the laughing stock of the film industry but they're always the first to really try out new techniques which whether they flop or not it's it's always kind of cool to see yeah yep no as far as um this like out of the Fulci ones especially the first three well i'll say the first two um i like this better but that's just me yeah if we're if we're comparing this to just lizard and a woman's skin i definitely picked this one yeah um, simply because it, it's just more cohesive. It, it seems like it's, you know, it seems like Fulci really had control of the film he was making. I don't know about Lizard and a Woman's Skin. I don't know if it's just trying to create some kind of, you know, like the Lizard was inspired by hallucinations. So you could say that that was the thematic, you know, influence over the film. But um, I don't know. I don't know if you could really go that far. I think this is a better film. Um, Duckling is kind of in a class by itself. It's kind of hard to compare to these two, but um, I think you're right. But I I, uh, I definitely like this a lot. It's a good film. Yeah, this one feels so, more like he's he's aping Hitchcock, whereas later on it's you know they they're aping each other in Italy. So you can really see exactly. the, the, the intricate plot in this one. And I I feel like I've I've seen areas where it's where Fulci said this was his favorite script that he'd ever written alongside the his co-writers so um it is a very strong script from i think from start to finish 
and uh, the ending is kind of goofy, but uh, oh my god, when it when it the way it's done, I think is excellently done. Um, the the part I'm talking about being goofy is of course the reveal, which you know in the <clears throat> '60s, '70s, that's how all criminal film reveals were done. It's it felt like, but right. Um, but then when they went into the, the actual felt- action after that, I thought was was really well executed. It had like a kind of a James Bond thing going on too, I think. Yeah. At least that that part of it. Just they were doing the reveal part. The whole news thing, I did not like. It's super jarring. It like kind of comes to nowhere, and then it's like, bam. I don't know. I just it was so cheese ball. Yeah. We're waiting for a call on this phone. I'm sitting in the <laughs> gas chamber. Yeah. I'm yeah, holding well... the mic so you know I'm talking. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I guess we could like get into that. Moment for me. Yeah. Which is good because it's longer than shit. It is. So the fact that it took that long for me to sprint in is pretty good. I mean, I guess it's only almost, you know, an hour and 40 minutes, so. Maybe a typical length, but it does feel oh, a lot longer yeah. than it is. That's what she said. <laughs> Speak, nice, um, nice home run. I'm totally think I'm gonna totally derail conversation because I forgot to say this in the beginning. Of... <clears throat> Did you guys know the term Eric Bergstrom Handsome is a name? Eric Bergstrom Handsome. It's an actual thing. Did you guys know that? An actual thing that you made up? No, I actually did not do this. I was listening to a podcast, and I'll try to not um, out them, but we'll just say maybe the names rhymed with Bill and Costco. Oh, yeah? Okay. And they were talking about our buddy Johnny Krug and what a good-looking guy he is. And then one of them says, but is he Eric Bergstrom handsome? And the other guy goes, oh, no, he's not Eric Bergstrom handsome. He's on his way, but he's not quite there. Uh, <laughs> blushing. Oh, wow, look at that. I didn't think I was even in the same league as Johnny Krug. <laughs> Don't be so modest. Mm. Oh, you're so wow. Eric Bergstrom handsome. <laughs> EB. Baby. Well, you know, I'm just I'm just catfishing everyone online, so <laughs> those aren't really me. You're using pictures of Johnny Krug. Yeah. To uh, yeah, sounds good. Okay, we can get back to the topic now. I just had to. <laughs> I almost had a fucking heart attack. It was so funny. I'm glad you. Yeah. Not that you. I don't think you're a handsome individual, sir, but just to hear people with such thick accents talk about how handsome you. are. My handsome is worldwide. It's worldwide, dude. Wow. That was the shit right there. I need to spend a few seconds over here to blush, so I'll let you guys chit-chat a little bit more about uh, about this film. and how, Like, the middle of it, I can see where, it, where you're saying it really kind of drags. Um, once, you know, Monica gets involved as the, the blonde lookalike doppelganger, and then it's it's kind of her and trying to figure out who she is and all her different clients, including this rich man named Benjamin, who's very jealous of her 
swings. God, look at those chairs, man. The orange <laughs> ball chairs, they're amazing. Well, um, yeah, I think when it gets slow, it doesn't even matter because she has any clothes on. And I oh, think any hot-blooded American male, or maybe even Italian male, or female, or female, would go, wow, don't care. This, I mean, right now I'm watching the movie in the background with the sound off, and it's still totally interesting. <laughs> the only thing I have to say is that, that one position that she's in when she's playing solitaire is really an, uh, an unflattering position. Thank you. I don't know why. She's, <laughs> she's sitting there with her knees stuck up and like, the car in her, in between her legs. And uh, I was just like, what is going on? Can you find a uh, little bit more of a feminine pose here? In well, your I underpants? think you guys are both jerks. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> because I bet money that you guys would both be, oh, you can play solitaire and sit like an ugly cow on my bed. Not oh, yeah, of course. Head. Um, yeah, well, we're not talking about that. We're talking about whether it looks good in the movie. Oh, it does. I think it's, and I think other, I don't know what you're talking about, but another shot that's weird that is like after like the next morning when um, she's like yawning. She's like, <laughs> yeah, I did actually wrote down that scene about this, the solitaire, and I was worried about bringing it up because I'd come off as the cold, sexist pig. But... <laughs> I did. I also did she write down a do note, note about how I thought it was was classy as well. Like you were saying, Chris, the uh, for being titled perversion story. There's not too too many, you know, overly raunchy or gross things about it, though. Um, yeah, maybe that solitaire scene was a little perversion filled. I feel like if this movie was made like six or seven years later, it would have been like a hardcore porn. Mm, yeah. Well, like I feel like they just didn't get super crass yet. Unless it still contained that under the bed sheet scene. Then it'll be a little more artsy. Oh, now we're doing it under the photographer studio thing. Mm-hmm. That's okay. <laughs> well, my, my bullshit call here is uh, our friend Monica has a huge nipple-sized mole on her back. And I feel like if he really needed to find out if it was her, he would have known right there. But maybe my that was wife just, had, you know, she, tried, she was always so, so far ahead of him that she was always, you know, she she did all these things. <clears throat> so if it really was, in fact, his wife, maybe she put the mole on her back because she knows that, you know, things like that are what people pay attention to, different kinds of birthmarks or... Well, um, he, he was he was clawing at her pretty good. That would have come out under his fingernail. This is a disgusting conversation. I didn't want to go this way. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, maybe he just didn't touch her very regularly. Maybe she thought he would forget. Yeah, that's kind of what they insinuated at the beginning, I guess. Yeah. So you ever get so? Did you need to go somewhere, sir? No, I'm good. Oh, okay. You talking to me? Yeah, because you said, now you guys talk about this, I'll be right back. Oh, no, I was just going to blush then... a little bit. Oh. I'm done blushing now, though. <laughs> okay, that's good, that's good. Um, 
but yeah, um, I don't know. Like, I really like this movie, and I think everyone should go see it if they haven't seen it. Yeah. It's it's a lot of fun, and like all of the like uh, I don't want to say espionage stuff, but like everyone seems to be like trying to uncover their own little thing, and then they have to go to theatrics to try to show it. You know, it's not like someone's going to go, hey, you know, this chick. It's like, I'm going to pretend to start making out with you and I'm going to put a picture up on the wall behind us. Yeah. It's just a large, large projection. Yeah. You know this yeah. woman. Everything's so big. And then, thank you. Um, if, do you want to get into spoiler territory here? Yeah, I think it's time to talk do about it. the ending. Yeah. There Go for it. All right. Yeah. Dive in. first. All right. <laughs> so for the longest time, throughout this whole film, we're kind of actually, I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but we're actually led to believe that maybe Monica, in fact, is someone else who is being paid off by this Betty woman who we never get to meet. But uh, she's, this Betty woman is trying to get back at George for some reason. Uh, that's all we kind of really know from the amateurish detective work going on because uh, Monica resembles his wife, so she knows that she could use Monica to get George to confess something. And so I thought really well done way of manipulating the audience in that way. Uh, but to get into the spoilers now, it is revealed in kind of a shocking scene as George can no longer cover up, you know the fact that all these people think he's out for this insurance money he's finally booked brought in for questioning and so monica knowing that her work here is done gets over to the airport takes off the wig takes out the eye contacts it's been uh it's been his wife all along Uh, old susan she uh gets on a plane to paris to go meet up with none other than henry george's brother We've, they've had this love uh-huh. affair the whole time so George thought he was this swinging player but really it was his brother who was fooling around with his own wife and he's too preoccupied with his clinic to really even notice or care and uh, so with, with Susan waiting for him in Paris Henry meets up with his brother who is now somehow already on death row about to be executed the next night so it's really a speedy trial and and uh, processing and everything but uh, he's meeting up with him the night before his execution and this is that long confession I was talking about um, you know like five minutes of him just telling George how he was able to get away with it he was able to convince the people that uh, George was just trying to sensationalize the facts and that no one would believe him he's the boy who cried wolf and uh, George's last I guess gasp to get out of this is to check the dental records which it's kind of odd that they didn't do that right away when there was this whole confusion between these two women but they go ahead and do it anyway they exhume the corpse of this woman that they uh they realize is not actually susan or they don't think or you know george doesn't think of susan because it was told that it wasn't but somehow the dental records match but uh, as george rajode figures out these dental records come from the Dumerier clinic. How is that possible? How can they, you know, how is that even kosher? They get away with it anyway. George is brought to the gas chamber. And then the next thing we see is a reporter talking about what happened 30 minutes ago. 
and in uh, kind of a cool flashback sequence. So we're, we're thinking that, you know, this is present time. George is long gone. He's dead. He's been gassed. But uh, what really is going on is we're getting a flashback of Susan and uh, uh, Henry in Paris meeting up. And uh, a man from her past is also by fate in the same room with a gun. And when the report comes back to America that Susan and her lover were murdered, it gets to the governor just in the nick of time to save George's life. And uh, they all live happily ever after. Except for the people that are dead. Yeah, they're they're dead, but they, they had it coming. They're evil manipulators. Damn. What a twist. So is it like unlawful to to record two people talking in a room together? Like how did Henry know he was not getting recorded when he was doing that belabored confession? Maybe it wasn't something that people did back then. Hmm. Okay. Maybe he forgot his iPhone. Maybe. Yeah. There were there were a couple things in this movie that kind of came to light from these last few scenes. It was just kind of made me scratch my head like the whole uh, dental record thing and uh, the fact that you know he was after this two million dollar insurance policy in the first place when his wife was asthmatic I feel like that's kind of a lot of um, I wonder what the premium was like on that insurance policy but those are just a few fun moments well, let's say his brother the actor is my can't think of his name offhand but um like I don't trust that motherfucker as far as I can throw him in anything. Yeah. So. Um, so you knew off the kind of like that. I know. I just like I don't trust that fucker. His mm-hmm. fucking shitty comb over. You know, I was a little a little weary of that man. What you guys think of like the the whole reveal and then the the technique they used afterwards of kind of a misdirection of making us the reveal think. is awesome. Yeah, like I just misdirection works in that sense, but we just didn't like the reporter bit. Oh, okay. Just because it was just really kind of cheese ball, but <laughs> but it was one of those times when he gets arrested. I'm like, oh, okay, the movie must be come to an end. Mm-hmm. Coming to an abrupt stop here sometime soon. But it's still going. The movie's still on, people. You know, and it's like chugs along, man. Yeah. It's great. I enjoyed it. And I freaking her outfit when she goes to the airport. God, I, everything she wears in this movie is amazing. Mm-hmm. And she wears it so well. Except for at the awesome. very beginning when she's playing the demure yeah. wife. Yeah, I didn't like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> How could you? Mm. What do you yeah, think yeah. about that that reveal, Chris? Uh, it was it was good. I mean, like I said, it, it reminded me of some sort of James Bond thing. Um, but you know, it, it again, it's another thing where Fulci uh, is. You, you look back now um, and watch it as after we've seen so many of these other films and how all these all these other films handle reveals and sometimes 
they don't handle them well at all. Sometimes they, they don't even really give you much information other than, you know, let's reveal who the killer is and maybe we'll quickly throw in a little bit of motive. Um, this was so uh, ingrained in the story. I mean, there were so many things that were, uh, that w everything was kind of connected. Like, you, you know, uh, one of those kind of movies where you, you know, you, you're going through and you're watching all the things that are happening. And then when they do the reveal, you start piecing together all the things that you're watching going, oh, okay, now, you know, so you can go back and watch it a second time knowing um, what the secret is. And, uh, you, you know, you could, you could notice some of the things you didn't notice before. And, um, but yeah, I, d I did really like uh, that. You know, and when I was watching it, I had forgotten exactly what happened at the end. And I'm like, oh man, I thought that they, you know, when they did the dental record thing, uh, I was, I had forgotten um, that they, that that they fixed it, right? Because that was the whole thing. Like the uh, George's brother, because the dental records were from the clinic, he was he was able to make sure that you know it looked that it looked to be George to be the bad guy. Um, and I had forgotten about that. I'm like, oh man, that's right, you know. And I, and I totally forgot what the twist was. And then when it came back, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Okay, it was the brother. Yeah. And then, um, and and again, I had forgotten about the uh, the ex-lover. Um, and what was the to refresh my memory? What the deal was that after Susan faked her death, did she like have some sort of a relationship with that old guy uh, while she was you know plotting against her husband or? Wasn't he the one who was, like, paying for all of her shit? Right. Yeah, like, apparently she got so immersed in this role of, like, hanging out with hookers and stuff that, I don't know, she actually took on real-world clients or, you know, rich old businessmen. But it seems to be that's kind of what, what happened. And a lot of this movie seems like it's really condensed, but it, it must have taken, you know, part over long spans of time for this to work. And that airport looked like a freaking spaceship. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so is the is the premise then that that uh, Susan, uh, aka Monica, is it Monica? Yeah, yeah. Um, is it is it assumed then that she started to play the role of Monica before she supposedly died? Is that what we're supposed to? Yes. Think? Or or is it just that a lot of time went by between her death and? time when George noticed her. <clears throat> That's a good point. I think well, must have had to have started earlier. Unless she was really dead for a while and they just didn't pass that time, right? Yeah. I, like I was saying, the She dies scene. and then really... I, don't know. I was going to say, she dies and then pretty much the next scene is uh, with them going out to dinner, right? Yeah. yeah so you never really know the club how fast time is moving here because like I said at the end with with him going to trial getting convicted being sentenced to death and then actually being the night before his execution that's like unheard of nowadays you know for that to happen so quickly right. <laughs> yeah exactly that never happened <laughs> so yeah. yes I, um, I I thought it was a unique reveal and again like I said I, I don't know that it's very unique in if you were to compare it to other American thrillers, but in, you know, in, in 
considering the genre we're, we're, we're talking about and how it, being, it kind of was still in its infancy when this movie came out and, um, you know, the things that eventually it, it, the genre evolved into, this one is, uh, it's really different. It's really, uh, it, and if you, you know, to really talk about the fact that this, taking the film, what it is and how it is and, and and when it was put together, um, it's got a 61 on the, the Jalo score site, and that kind of makes sense. I mean, you've got you don't have a black glove killer at all, um, and um, I think I did give it the give it the amateur. No, I didn't give it any amateur detective. Um, I guess I could though, right? Because I mean, George is trying to figure it out. Um, I haven't lost the sex. Yeah, there's all sorts of amateur detectives in there trying to help them. Yep. Yeah, I mean, uh, the police really aren't even involved at all. Oh, I guess police are involved when they come to when they come to uh, Susan's house or not? Yeah, Susan, uh, ransack it or whatever. Yeah, Jane kind of takes over some like yeah, a detective maybe I role at the me. end. I don't know. Yeah, right. Exactly. I think we should get that point. Yeah, we'll, we'll give it. We'll revise it. There'll be like a sixty-six instead of a sixty-one. Holy oh, shit! Um, <laughs> but uh, for this time period, I mean, you know, it's, yeah. there's there's really only like one or two murders. There's no there's no kind of killer on the loose thing, which is really what what most jollos are all about. Um, but there's all you know all these little things like Jane V bottles and airplanes and. There's a pathologist, and you know the, the quirky photography guy got a point, and um, you know certainly we're in an urban location. It's not Italian, but it's definitely urban. And uh, do you get you know plane points for the airport? Yes. Yeah. So what the airplane taking off and landing is really what gives it the point. It's gotta it's gotta be in the air. You know, if you just see an airplane that's taxiing and it's not actually you are coming up with so many freaking rules <laughs> this is now that's ridiculous that's the rule that's always Boston. been the rule an air it says right on the website an airplane is shown landing or taking off uh, hey chris didn't write the rules okay they were handed down to him by his yellow box box filler. Yep. Yeah. that's right <laughs> i got them straight from fulci and argento yep nice you opened the arc of the yellow <laughs> the Ark of the Shallow Covenant. Yeah. There were the, the ancient scrolls with the rules written down right there. That's right. Well, I really enjoyed it. Signed it. Was a, it was a good pick. Good pick, Eric. Thank you. I thought it was time Much to... Sister vs. Lifted. <laughs> it was time to get back to Fulci, I think. I, I just thought it was a good chance to, to take a stab and it. it was, like, we've been talking about a couple times. It was early on uh, before he went a little crazy in the late 70s and uh, I just kind of wanted to see because I've seen you know obviously we've we've done Lizard in a Woman's Skin I've seen Don't Torture a Duckling a couple of his other films and so it was time to go back to him and, and then go back to his roots as well but wait till well, you see you know, what I um, oh uh, go ahead I was just going to say wait till you see what I've got in store <laughs> later tonight <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, was going to say you know, uh, I've read a lot of people 
Um, a lot of critics say that Fulci was probably um, what they consider to be one of the one of the most technically brilliant directors, and you can see that in this film for sure. I mean, like, there's a lot of other films um, where it may not be coming out because, you know, he was he you know some of his films he was making for shock value or some of them he was making as money makers, but this one is, you know, I think you can see where where people give Fulci the accolades of being a good director uh, with this film, just because of the way that it's photographed and, and lit shot. And, you know, he, and he um, had a say in the way that the story was written. And, you know, so it's. Uh... And when you go to like, just the story, when a movie takes 15 minutes to do flashbacks on all of the ways that he was screwed out of stuff, and how they were able to pull the crime off in the first place. That's a lot of dots, eyes to dot and T's across, man. Yeah, sure. It's like super deep, like a ton of shit went down. Yes. Yeah, he kept track of everything. Very meticulous in this one. That's why I like the ending too. All right on. That's it. So we what's it. next? We did it. <laughs> what is next? Uh, okay. I, think, I think we have three more films we need to decide upon. Yeah, we need to say and we need to tell everybody what the next three um, movies are going to be mm-hmm. so they could vote. So, who wants to go first? One or three. Why? Because, because I haven't picked one yet. So. Oh. So, well, this was my movie, so I already have to say what my next one's going to be. I don't get a break. No, Creed's got to go first. Damn it, because I was going to see what you get to pick because I had extra ones. Actually, yeah, I only have one, so I better just go first. Okay. And this one was kind of a fan request, kind of one I've, I've been wanting to do as well. But once I start, started seeing it show up on the Facebook group, and I think we might have even got an email about it, I thought it was time to do it. I'm going back to the 80s, like I did with Stage Fright. Yes. Early 80s, oh 1983. Going with a, uh, a descendant of a Giallo master. So I'm not going with Mario Bava, but I'm going with Lombardo. Lombardo. Do you guys know which one I'm talking about yet? Uh, my guess would be A Blade in the Dark. Chris, you are the sweepstakes winner. Oh my God. <laughs> 1983, A Blade in the Dark is my choice for... Awesome. Next time we'll see how the, you know... The slasher formula is going to be working out in these Jello films once once more. Very nice. A great pick. I, I've always wanted to see that film. I haven't seen it yet. Now I'm forcing you to. Well, my pick is the exact opposite of everything you just said. <laughs> For the 1947. <clears throat> Close. But we're going to get to... One of the first, one of the first ones in color, one of the most beautiful things that ever happened, and that is going to be Blood and Black Place. Yes. So Father Sam. Wow, cool. So fuck it up, Chris. What do you do? <laughs> you well, gotta find the illegitimate Baba son. 
I'm gonna meet you guys halfway between sixty. What's what's uh, blood and black place? Sixty-four, what? right? Yep. 64. Between sixty-four and eighty-three, we're gonna land straight in nineteen seventy, and uh, it's not um, in the middle. Well, close enough. <laughs> Philadelphia math. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, that Philadelphia man, he did not get a cup of coffee this morning. I did not. Did not get a cup of coffee this morning. Just I late, late and thick. Um, we're gonna go with Luciano Ercoli's first giallo called "The Forbidden Photos of a Lady Above Suspicion." Buttholes. Yeah, faces back. Oh! No, this is the butthole face moment. I think you said you liked her in this one, didn't you? No, I did, but I think she looks like a butthole. I only get to see oh, the okay. butthole. You get to see the butthole face. Finally. Oh my gosh. This is some good stuff here, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good picks. Our purest listeners are going to be very happy with us. Yeah. This time... We're gonna end a end this next round of ten, I think, and with some good picks here. Yeah. Oh, does this end the ten? No, I, but well, don't forget next next one is we're we're still being uh, still have my pick and still going to be unconventional for one yep. more week. And next right. week is gonna be. Dun, dun, dun. Happy birthday to me. Is that because we said That's this was exactly our birthday? Oh, look at that. Everyone's saying it together here. This is amazing. <laughs> and um, this is our uh, last show for the holiday. Mm-hmm. So, Merry whatever you celebrate, everyone. And but not the end of the year. So, we'll, we've got one more. Yeah. We'll squeeze mm-hmm. it in there. That's what she asked you for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess that's that. And um, now I will play you a trailer for Happy Birthday to Me. And until next time, everybody, ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Someone's having a party for the top ten. The senior class snobs. Before they get to celebrate, six of them will die in the most bizarre ways you'll ever see. Virginia, don't go away. Come over here, Virginia. It is up to you to determine whether you wish to subject yourself to fear. shock because of the bizarre nature of this birthday party pray you are not invited <laughs> <laughs>